If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. All right, this is Locked On Ravens, part of the Locked On Network, brought to you by Russell Street Report. This is our week seven look at the Ravens' loss to the Giants. And joining me like every week is Ken McCusick. Ken, how are you doing with these struggling Ravens? Wow, it's it's uh, it's getting a lot less fun, but uh, it's good to hear you vo- voice, uh, Josh, and ready to talk some football. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm not going to miss the Ravens on Sunday. We've got the bye week coming up, and I think it'll be okay. Uh, it's definitely get well time, heal those wounds, and uh, maybe do that other thing that you need to do. Maybe go to a movie, whatever. It's yeah. At least it'll be a Sunday without stress. You know, it's not going to be this. I think we can pull it out, or uh, don't worry. We got every game. It seems like the Ravens have have played well in the first quarter, and then it's just been yelling at the TV. That's that's right. I mean, they've in four of the last five games now they've blown a ten to nothing lead, and that is really hard to do. That short of period. That, that's that's amazing. That's that's not something. That's not Ravens football. It's not what we're used to. Um, let's just get to it. Let's let's look at this linebacker situation. Right. Well, we we talked a little bit about before the show, but but the Ravens have really never entered a game with such an extreme shortage of linebackers. So we've had the injuries the last couple of weeks. I think everybody's aware that Doomerville, Suggs, and Mosley, three of the key defensive playmakers from from expectations anyway right are, are all gone and uh Dumerville never really showed anything this year but Mosley and Suggs were playing well and now the Ravens are, are severely impaired so they really had to work through with a patchwork crew of linebackers they don't really have a second inside linebacker Albert McClellan stepped in and took the role but they don't really have another guy to replace uh um Mosley or, or really to take Orr's spot who Orr is replacing Mosley um, so I'll just go through and, and, and give you the roles of these players because there's some, some guys that we had been interested in seeing more of. We did, and some of them played well, and some of them didn't play as well. Right, right. So Zach Orr uh, is second consecutive games, defensive signal caller. He's got the green dot helmet, that means. And um, he made 11 tackles to lead the team, but he had a lot of troubles in pass defense, and he didn't really look that great. Um, certainly the 69-yard TD was not all on him, but there were four plays in his area that represented a significant portion of the passing yards a 60 69 play 69 yard play a 31 a 13 uh another one for 28 that was between him and the and the and the safety so zach core has been a target and uh, unfortunately he's got to stay there he he's needed on the field every play because there really aren't any other alternatives at this point well yeah i mean that's 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 been the problem is is it's you don't know who's who the Ravens are going to be able to put out there, and, and, and to make this, and that might be part of why we're having so much tackle and tackling has been horrible this year with the Ravens, and part of it might be all these guys that that aren't ready for prime time. Yeah, I mean you, you have that I, another issue that goes right there with tackling and really showed up in spades this last week is angles to the football, and they were awful. They're awful. I mean Webb's angle to the football on the sixty-nine yard run is the worst I've ever seen him take. 
Um, you know, he should have he should have been able to cut it to about a 30 or 35 yard gain by taking the proper angle of the ball. But you know, no one seems to want to take the backwards angle towards the sideline that cuts the guy off and 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 keeps a play as not a touchdown. But anyway, he uh, he came up short on that one, and there, he wasn't the only one. Um, or had a very bad angle to, the, to uh, another play that went for 31. Right. So he wasn't the only one. Yeah, but Webb Webb's a veteran. There's no excuse for that. We we can't Webb Webb's supposed to be on that team. He's not a substitute. That's that's right. And and when you really get down to it, the middle linebacker probably has a, he has a good need to understand angles. The safety has the ultimate need to really understand angles to the football. Cornerbacks cover a man. They also cover a zone. But safeties they really need to know how to prevent that touchdown by taking the proper angle to the ball. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And um, I, I, there's nothing we can do about it. We no. just got it's going to be the same guys uh unless we get a little health over these next 2 weeks. Yeah. It's it's what we've got. So we just got to hope right. hope they improve. I mean, I, I don't even know what'll happen if they have another injury, but I want to go kind of quickly through who was playing what their role was this last week at linebacker. Yeah, so Yeah, so let's go to Albert McKellen. Yeah, well Albert McClellan took the other inside linebacker spot and he his role increased to 57 snaps this week. So he's really taking a lion's share. Um McClellan is a pretty darn good outside linebacker for two downs. Forced into this ILB role, it exposes weaknesses to him. We've talked about before, so I don't think I want to do that again. But the move I'm hoping could be made was that Correa could play some inside linebacker and do a pretty good job at it. He seems to be a little bit better as a coverage guy, a little bit better at reading the quarterback. And and if he could do that, then Albert McClellan could go back to his more natural position. And that's where the Ravens are really short right now, is that anybody who can stop the run at outside linebacker. And that had a big factor in how the Jets rolled up 155 rushing yards against the Ravens. So anyway, right. Zadarius Smith is the next guy, and he played for the first time in his career every single snap. So he's on the edge. I guess he might be the Ravens' best edge-setting run defender, which is really scary because I think he's probably one of the – he's below Suggs and McClellan anyway in terms of who the Ravens have. And uh, he had a pretty good pass rush day. He had a he had five pressures, a quarterback hit, and he batted down a pass that, that denied a third down. So he did a pretty good job on that, and he was involved in pressures that three of those turned into sacks subsequently. So Pierce's sack, for instance, and Judon's first sack, uh, where Geno Smith was injured, he was a part of both of those. So okay. he, he did some good things, but he, but he really looked bad against the run. And the highlight of that was really failing to stay at home on the 30-yard reverse to Anderson, which was towards the end of the first half when they scored their second touchdown. Um, he didn't stay at home, and Anderson looped around his side of the field for a 30-yard gain. we we'll also remember him for putting his hand on the face of um, Fitzpatrick right. and giving giving away the, um, the the penalty that converted second and 19, so that was a problem too. Okay. Now now the other guy we, we got you mentioned in that with some tackles is Matt Juden. A guy yeah. whose name I didn't even know until he made a tackle, or right. I guess a sack. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had a big preseason. He had four sacks, and uh, that was something we were really looking forward to, was seeing this guy hit the field. And he hadn't had too much time. He was playing 16, 19 snaps a game, you know, just a, just a handful to, to, to uh, pass rush situations. We played 29 snaps in this game with the increased need. He was basically the pass rushing outside linebacker who was paired with Kamalai Correa, we'll get to in a moment. Played, he played approximately half the snaps, 29, and he, he got his first two career sacks. And they're both very nice uh, sacks. One of them chased the guy down, hurdled 
the sprawling Smith by the left sideline and then um, crashed into Geno Smith and uh, and put him out for the year. In fact, Geno Smith's career may now be over with this. We'll see if he ever comes back to play, but he had he has an ACL injury now. Oh, wow. That's too bad. Uh, um, what happened with the pass rush after Geno Smith left the game? We were putting a good amount of pressure on Geno and then could not put the same pressure on Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I agree. Um uh, Fitzpatrick can get the ball out a little quicker. He's a little bit quicker decision maker from the pocket. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't give you – I can't put my finger on it, but I think they did have four sacks in the first half. They only had one sack in the second half, and the Jets certainly ran a lot more plays in the second half. Okay. So I mentioned Kamala Correa. He was the other guy who split the outside linebacker duties opposite Smith with Judon, and he played 30 snaps in the big – big play he had was he forced that fumble near the goal line that was recovered and then fumbled again by Jernigan. Uh, Guy got it in the game book, but uh, but that'll be corrected, I assume. And uh, he's the one who actually uh, knocked it free. I thought he did reasonably well setting the edge. And you know, I take my notes, and if there's a bad edge set play, that certainly makes my notes. And I didn't really have one recorded for, for Kamalai, so I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. He did only make one run tackle that I saw for a four-yard gain. So it wasn't like he... He was exceptional in either direction, but it looks like he did okay. Okay, good, good. Uh, got, go ahead. No, I was just going to move on um, with Anthony Levine, who who's the guy who comes in for every dime set, right? He's that's our dime guy? That's exactly right. He's our dime guy. So he played 19 snaps. One of them was a goal line snap, but he played 18 regular dime snaps. He had, he, he had a pass defense on third down, so I thought he played pretty well. He's been praised by Harbaugh apparently in the production meetings. He's talking him up, and I'm glad to hear it because he's he's really a very valuable player for the Ravens. And whatever they've needed him to do, they've moved him around the field to play safety, to play nickel, to play um, uh, dime as needed. And, uh, and he's quite a valuable utility man for the, Raven, for the Ravens. That's great. So last guy is Brent Urban. And he hadn't played any outside linebacker before. He's a defensive lineman, and he doesn't really play very much. He's mainly a special teams kick blocker and and otherwise a contributor on special teams packages. But he played 13 total snaps, and six of those he was actually substituting for an outside linebacker. So he's in there and um, giving some time off to players like Correa and Judon, who would otherwise be be taking that spot. So uh, good use of him, and uh, nice to see him be able to contribute that way as well. That's good. Now now you're leaving out one more linebacker that that we got to talk about. On the other side of the ball, <laughs> on the preseason, you were telling me to buy a Victor Ochi jersey. That, uh, do, yes. last, last week, you were telling me the Ravens are banged up. They might try to get Victor Ochi off the Jets practice squad. That's well, right. Ochi showed up for this game, but not, not in purple. Yeah, he was wearing green, and, and I noticed that too. He actually started the game. Yes. And, uh, you know, so they, they had an injury to Wilkinson, I guess. So that's a big injury for them. But Ochi came in, and he uh, uh, he played re- – Played reasonably well, and the Ravens would certainly love to have him right now with their shortage of linebackers. Yeah, that's that's what I kept thinking watching him on there is yeah. uh, this guy. We needed this guy. Yeah. No. Um, but I know in the second segment we really got to look at the defense and kind of a it's kind of a head scratcher point right now where we're uh, three and four. So it's who knows if this season's anything or if we're really going to have to judge the defense. Um, for next season to prepare when we get to start over and it sucks to, at the bye to, to be talking about next season but we got to get to that but the last thing before we get to this is what do we do if, if we get more injuries yeah i mean or, already 
they're at a point where you don't ever expect injury improvement during a season. Like sometimes you, you think, oh, we'll get to the bye week and everybody will magically get healthy. Well, I mean, Stanley has been on the shelf now for, for four weeks, for example. He hasn't right. played. Very good player for three weeks. And he apparently had some setback last week that Harbaugh is now not talking about. So I don't know what even the problem is. I, I, I've heard rumors of a high ankle sprain. That would be relatively good news at this point. If it were a turf toe or something else that kept you know plaguing Ogden for years, that would be what would be really horrible. So I, I hope it really is just some sort of sprain that that just is going to require additional weeks off to, to do it. But he's been he's been back in practice and he and he the word was he was going to play this week and right. then he didn't show up. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's it's because that's what I thought. I thought, oh, well, bye week, then maybe we can make a move. The Steelers are still playing bad football. I mean, technically we're technically we're still in it for the division. The way everyone yeah. else is playing, yeah, that 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 would be the Ravens' goal if they want to if they you know want to try and make that happen is is win the division. It's a, it's a very still will be a very tough goal. I think that the Steelers are better than the Ravens even without Roethlisberger at this point. So right. I'm I'm concerned about you know what exactly is there, but we'll see. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, part of that is the Ravens have found ways to lose games themselves rather than be beaten. But uh, let's take a break and let's come back and let's look 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 at the defense and uh, kind of after seven games where we're at. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is Locked on Ravens. We just went through a bunch of linebackers and kind of really looking at uh, last week's game against loss against the Jets and where we go now is what we want to get into now. We're seven games. We're three and four. Who knows what's left of this season, but we know there's another season next year where we get to start over again. So um, let's break down the defense. Why don't we uh, Why don't we get started with the rookies? Right. Well, it, here's the here's the I have a system that I like to broadly split players into. Okay. So you've got you've got five categories. Now, with the salary cap in football, you have to be very cognizant of that whenever you're talking about anybody. So it's always value relative to cap should be your concern. And the Ravens practice it in terms of a particular phrase they use, which is 80% of the player at 20% of the price. Hopefully you don't get 20% of the player at 80% of the price, which seems like we sometimes get. Right. 80, 80 at 20 is the is is what you're looking for. So when you have the natural aging of players that occurs, you have to fight that every single season by trying to figure out who can you let go that's going to become an expensive player and whatnot. So your, your team is always, in terms of any um, move forward it makes, driven by the key contributors who are on their rookie deals. And for the Ravens, that's six guys right now. Jimmy Jernigan, C.J. Mosley, Zach Orr, Michael Pierce now, Brandon Williams, and Tavon Young. So we got two rookies, two true rookies in that group, which is nice. You got Mosley and Orr with third year players, and you got Williams, who's a fourth, and Jernigan, who's a third. So pretty good mix of 
very young talent there. Unfortunately, no second-year players. That that 2015 draft still killing the Ravens, of course. Right. But uh, but anyway, a, a pretty good group of core players. And those six guys, along with two others, Weddle and Jimmy Smith, are the ones that I expect will do most of the defensive playmaking for the remainder of the 2016 season. And they certainly are the brightest stars for looking into the future as well. So if you look at that talent and see how much you've got of that, that particular category, key contributors on rookie deals, it's the most important category. It's the highest category of the five as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because those are the guys who are going to keep, keep being here, that you're building your team around. Yeah, and they're cheap and they're, and they're good. Okay. So now your second category is developmental players. So a lot of young players would be in this category, and they typically would be on their rookie deal. It, it would be difficult to be in this category and not be on your rookie deal. Um, but but there be a there, there might be an exception, but I don't I don't have any currently. Um, but those for the Ravens right now, that breaks down to about nine or ten players, and I'll give them to you: Kamalai Correa, Carl Davis, who's currently on IR, so he's not going to improve this year. Right. Will Davis, the cornerback, Willie Henry, who has yet to play his first NFL snap, it was a fourth-round draft pick and was finally activated this last week, Matt Judon, who got his first two sacks against the uh, Jets, and now he could improve into the key contributors on rookie deals by the end of the season. You got Bronson Kaufusi, who uh, a guy from uh, Utah who went to IR during the camp, and unfortunately he hasn't played it down this year, so... He'll be in the same category next year. Sheldon Price, who played five snaps at corner this year, but he's uh, he's now on the shelf for the year and, and won't be back. And then the one guy I had trouble placing was Zadarius Smith, and I just I couldn't bring myself to put Zadarius Smith into the key contributors on rookie deals yet. He meets the rookie deal, but he doesn't meet the key contributor yet. He's been too inconsistent in terms of his pass rush and ability to stop the run. So he's a he's a player who could move up, but he's just not there right now. And then Brent Urban is the last. And Brent Urban, I don't honestly have a have a lot of hope of, of improvement. So next year, maybe he moves into a guy you have as a core veteran who you're keeping around on a fairly low-priced contract to play special teams and a few snaps on defense. Okay. All right. All right. How, well, how about the uh, how about the veterans? Yeah, you got you got five veterans on this team who I'll call core veterans, and those are guys who are justifying their salary currently. It's kind of bad that we only have five on defense, but they are Jimmy Smith and Eric Weddle, who we talked about earlier. Weddle is the team's defensive MVP, so he's he's very clearly important. Right. And Jimmy Smith has been a, a he's been back to being a shutdown cornerback these last few weeks that the Ravens need him to be. And again, I think you could make the argument that. One of those two um, might be the worst player to lose, even with some of the, the Ravens' other defensive weaknesses. And then they have three other guys who are playing at a lower level and, and a much lower salary, but they make important contributions. And that's Lawrence Guy on the defensive line. He's played about 35% of the snaps, but a valuable guy both against the rush and against the pass. Anthony Levine, who's a utility player and, and special teams ace, and, uh, and our dime. And Albert McClellan, who basically is, is very similar. He plays inside and outside linebacker, utility guy on, on special teams, and uh, a very valuable player. If you ever talk special teams with Jerry Rosberg, he might talk about Justin Tucker or Sam Cook first, but after that he wants to talk about Albert McClellan and how Albert McClellan would be able to cover kicks in his sleep. And not only that, he could reposition all the other players on the field for you. So. Well, and special teams has been the one area with the Ravens this year that they've been good. 
Yeah. And up and down, I mean, not not exactly what they expect, but 25 straight field goals now for Justin Tucker. Uh, Sam Cook had a good day punting. Devin Hester's been a big disappointment. Um, but uh, but other than that, yeah, I agree. Special teams has probably been their best area of the three. Well, and then on the other side, a couple blocks this year. Yeah, true. True, good point. So, all right, n- now now let's get to the hard ones. Let's get yeah. to the, the veterans that cost money. Yeah, you see, the veteran cap value concerns. And unfortunately, the Ravens have six of these guys. And you could look at this as a plus or a minus. I mean, your glass is half empty, half full. But you got a couple guys on this team who will never play for the Ravens again for certain. You can start with Kyle Arrington, who is a uh, a P's uh, welfare project, I'll call him. I, I, I've never He's never provided anything to the Ravens. I can never figure out why he's still on the team, and yet he is. Um, Elvis Dumerville, I think, is, his career is now over. It's certainly probably over with the Ravens at the end of this year. He may or may not be able to make it back. They haven't IR'd him yet, so maybe there's still a possibility that he'll play a few more snaps this year. Kendrick Lewis just got placed on IR this week. He's certainly done and won't be back next year. Um, Lardarius Webb, I think, ha- is playing his last as a Raven. He got a hamstring injury this week. Already was re- replaced by Marcus and Huff, who has just been elevated from the practice squad. So it gives you an idea of the Ravens' desperation on the back end. But Webb hasn't really played that well. He's got a big salary, and um, there's some dead money involved in cutting him. But on the other hand, I think it's it's getting to be time. And I tell you what, that's a really sad situation because his injury was derailed by two ACL injuries, and he was, in my mind, looking like he could be a Hall of Fame prospect after the 2011 season when he was the best cornerback in football. I mean – Right, but we, cl- we've seen nothing like that in, in five years. There's been yes, nothing, no, no similarity to that player. That is correct. we got to be able to move on pretty quickly in football for just that reason. Sharice Wright's the last player uh, of this exact type in the group. I, I don't know if he'll be back or not. Um, uh, the Ravens are thin enough at corner. They might want to bring him back as a backup. In some ways, they might have to demand that he take a lower salary. Um, he he does create some cap space if they can if they can cut him at the end of this year, um, but anyway uh, he's injured now and don't know when exactly he's going to be back. Uh, the last one is Terrell Suggs. Now Suggs is a special case. Obviously he's played well this year. He's five sacks. He's playing the run extremely well. He did play the run extremely well, but now he's got this injury. Um, part of me just hopes that he will decide over the bye week that he wants to retire. That he's had enough that. You know, maybe he's doing the team a favor. Maybe, uh, you know, he wants to just get on with the rest of his life and do whatever he's going to do. Maybe he just doesn't want to go through the intense rehab process with another injury. But um, I, I, I would love for him to go out the way he did sacking Manning on his final play, even if we have to look at it retrospectively that way. Um, I look forward to his Ring of Honor induction and his Hall of Fame speech. We've talked about that before, but incredibly special player he's earned the right to try and play somewhere else i hope he does not um but i think he's probably will at the end of this year will have played his last for the ravens yeah we we've seen this pattern from the ravens they don't uh treat you special because you've been so good to them over the years they 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 gave ray lewis the opportunity to go elsewhere they he didn't but then they gave they let ed reed go to go somewhere else so I, I can't see them uh, spending much money on Suggs. Right. I mean, they, he, all of those players, they would have loved for them to finish as Ravens. Unfortunately, Ray did. But uh, in the case of, of Ed, 
um, at some point you just have to say, yeah, you're, you, you've earned the right to play somewhere else. Go ahead, sign a big contract somewhere, and then come back to a one-day contract with us when it's over. Yeah. Well, sure, sure. With that read, I think there had to be some off-the-field stuff going on there as well. Just, just, oh. just. I don't know. Just from what uh, the reports of him and Harbaugh not getting along, that oh, came okay. out, and and uh, for how quickly he ran ran to Rex Ryan, it makes I, makes me think something there wasn't great. It, you 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 could be right. I I once heard John giggle at Ozzy in a. The two of them were with Kevin Byrne up on a stage talking. He kind of giggled at Ozzy and he said, "Well, again, practices pretty much when he wants to practice." And that kind of kind of commentary would tell you all you need to know about the relationship between Harbaugh and Reed because he's he's not going to be crazy about that. Right, right, sure, sure. Um, all right, well, you've got one more group of people: the transitional players. Right. So there's a, always a group of players uh, kind of on the margin of your roster who their spot is never safe, and they're making rookie money at some level. When I say rookie money, uh, uh, the graduated scale of the first four years because they basically all fall in this category with one exception. And they're guys. These, these guys' are, job is always in jeopardy. So the guys on the defense that I have there are Maurice Kennedy, Robertson Daniel, who was just elevated at cornerback, Matt Elam, who still is sitting around on IR for the Ravens, Marcus and Huff, who now is our starting free safety, at least for the moment. Uh, Cavalus Luckett, who you may not know, but is on IR currently. Patrick Anwasar, who was just uh, elevated to play inside linebacker last week. Gerard Powers, who is the starting nickel and has time, but honestly, I don't think his job is safe. And Jamal Roll. So those are the eight guys. Seven of them are in the secondary. A lot of that has happened because of all the Ravens' injuries in the secondary. They've got a lot of guys they've they've brought in from the street, from the practice squad, uh, that they've really – you don't know anymore now if these guys have any NFL value left. And uh, Huff currently has the chance. He might have the best chance to emerge and become a, a, a veteran with this team who stays around for a couple of years. Uh, Gerard Powers could also elevate his game. I don't think he's played all that well so far, but he right. could elevate his game and stick around. And, and if you want to talk about the guy with the highest ceiling right now, I still think out of that group it's Matt Elam. Yeah, I mean, he's the only guy on that list who has made any impact with the Ravens. Right, right. I, some people would say it's Kennedy. He's a seventh-round draft pick. But, but Elam, I think, could come back and actually play some good dime for this team. And uh, with where the, all the places are going to need Levine, that wouldn't be a bad place for Elam to go. Okay. All right, well, that that's our defense. I don't know if that gives me any hope for next year. Um, I tell you what would give you hope is if right. you looked at this list from last year and just how sorry it looks. But I won't I won't give it here. But go out to the to the article on Russell Street Report if you would under film study. Look at it, and there'll be a link to the 2015 list after week two, and you'll see just how bad it can be. Okay. All right. Good. Well, <laughs> that's a little hope is is we're on the upswing. Yeah. Kind of. So, all right, um, all right, we're going to take another break here, and then we've got to talk about John Harbaugh because he came out after the game and he said Timmy Jernigan got a little full of himself. So we got to talk about that comment and, of course, that play. Right. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. 
Get the Geico app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. This is Locked on Ravens, a part of the Locked on Network, uh, brought to you by Russell Street Report. I am Josh Soroka, and with me is Ken McCusick. And Ken, let's get to it. Timmy Jernigan was a little full of himself, according to John Harbaugh. Okay, I, I didn't hear that exact quote, but he did. He did say that Timmy knows he's got to stay in the end zone, and he shouldn't have brought the ball out. Or I, I'm paraphrasing very slightly, but uh, but that's that's the quote from his interview, and it's out there on the Ravens website if you want to go look at it. Jernigan's quote coming out of the the situation was, "I'm just going to fall on the ball next time." And again, I'm paraphrasing. I'm just going to fall on everybody on the ball next time because that's what makes everyone happy. Right? Uh, so you see, they that's... probably do not see eye to eye on this. <laughs> Let's talk about that play a little bit because it was obviously the pivotal play of this last game, much of the way, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Mosley's fumble into the end zone was, was the pivotal play. But Jernigan uh, picked up the fumble caused by Correa at the three-yard line. His front side was pointed at the end line as he did. So he's running back towards the end line. He ran into the end zone, looped out of it, and then said, you know, oh, I might be a safety came back out to the four-yard line where Brandon Marshall reached around and poked the ball loose like a skilled defender, and then Brandon Marshall also recovered the ball at the five-yard line. So it was a it was a very bad turnaround to see because it also gave the Jets a, a new fr- a set of downs at the five-yard line, and they would score the touchdown that would give them the eight-point lead at that point. So it was, it was a significant point in the game, but... Uh, Jernigan's decision to leave the end zone, I, I, it was certainly not a malicious decision or anything. And it actually, I think, was probably the right decision because um, the ball was going to be spotted at the three-yard line at best if he'd just fallen down. If he falls down in the field of the play, it's, it's spotted wherever he falls down. By the impetus rules that the NFL has, if he goes into the end zone, that fumble recovery would be spotted back where he first took possession of the ball, which is around the three-yard line. So either way, the Ravens were not getting a good spot out of this situation yeah the, and, the, the only thing i saw it as a, as a fan watching is I, I i don't know those rules of it wouldn't be a safety because he, he's going into it so i just said all right as soon as he gets out of that end zone just fall down because you're 300 pounds you're not going to run it far yeah well that's i mean that would have been a perfectly legitimate thing to say just fall down or get out get back out of the end zone and fall down but I don't think it's reasonable to expect Timmy Jernigan to understand the impetus rules with, as they relate to a safety. And right. there's another layer of that that he has to actually judge how the officials would rule on the impetus rules. And, and you, you, I don't want my big guy thinking about that. I want him getting the ball out of the end zone. And like anybody, I want him to practice good ball security. If you want to be mad at Tim Jernigan, be mad at him because he, because he fumbled the football. But don't be mad at him because – he made a decision to come out of the end zone. It's not fair and it's not reasonable. Well, I think the the frustration is that it's the second time we've seen a linebacker do this with yeah. C.J. Mosley trying to get the touchdown himself. And that's where Harbaugh's other quote came out of saying, those are the things that cost us games and those are the things we have to stop. Because it is. It's little plays like that where just fall down let the offense take care of it. That's right. Well, I, 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 there's no doubt about the play. The Jernigan play – had a huge impact on the game and might have cost it to him. But it's, it, it's, I'm getting at another element when I wrote about this. There's a dichotomy of expectation that I think is really unfair. So on one hand, 
Harbaugh expects Jernigan to understand a relatively complex element of the NFL rulebook, and one I don't think is reasonable for him to expect. On the other side, if we fast forward in this game, the 309 remaining, the Jets lined up for a 51-yard field goal. And you remember the remember the play. So sure. folks lining up. Supposedly he had the wind with him, but it's a windy day in the Meadowlands. That's a very tough field goal. Right. So anyway, Ravens line up, and what do the Ravens do? They block kicks, and they blocked another one here. Brandon Williams supposed to must have gotten four yards worth of penetration. It's practically in the kicker's face. Blocked it with what looked like his elbow, and the ball shot out of bounds towards the left sideline. Right. The kicker needed that extra distance, so he was also going more of a straight kick and not getting much loft on it. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so anyway, the, the ball shot out of bounds. Now, under the NFL rules, if the ball goes past the line of scrimmage okay, and is missed, it is automatically returned to the spot of the kick. Right, like right. a down ball. Like, like, like an incomplete a, pass or a kick that no one touches. Yeah, like a kick that no one touches is the way to think of it. So it's a, it, it's a, a kick that is not returned is, is automatically brought back to the spot of the kick. So it should have been re-spotted for the Ravens' final drive to start at the 41-yard line. Okay. Right. Ball went out of the 30. Original line of scrimmage was the 33. So it did advance three yards. So it met the past the line of scrimmage criteria. And the rules of that actually are understood by many fans, like me, who was at the game and screaming at the top of my lungs that they need to get the spot right. And for some reason, Rosberg and Harbaugh did not push the point with the officials. And I have no idea why not. It's 11 yards at a time when 11 yards of offense was a lot for the Ravens. They weren't getting much offense, and they allowed the clock to the, the ball to be misspotted and uh, and lived with the result. So um, I, I don't know what was going on. There had to be somebody on that headset. I have heard from somebody else who says they've seen video that Rosberg is imploring a change of spot but that Harbaugh is kind of waving it off. I want to wait and see that myself. But in any case, that's a relatively common thing that a lot of fans do understand, and it's one that, that the Harbaugh and the coaching staff missed very badly. So I don't understand the dichotomy of expecting Jernigan in real time to understand why he should not come out of the end zone while not be expecting your own coaching staff to be able to get this 11 yards worth of spot correctly when you have 45 seconds between the time that ball bounces out of bounds and the time that ball is snapped by Flacco or by Zuda to Flacco. Right, right, right. And and it's not like it costs you anything to go and and say you need a different spot. No, it doesn't. It wouldn't cost you anything. Actually, the way you would do it, if you had to, would be you go to the official, and the official would be saying, no, John, there's nothing we could do or whatever. He'd be trying to blow you off. But then throw the challenge flag. What the, the challenge flag is like in the NFL is like going to HR with a complaint. All of a sudden, the complaint is official. So you toss that challenge flag on the field and you say, look, here's, here's my understanding of the rule that that ball has to be touched in order by somebody else other than the blocker in order for that ball not to return to the original line of scrimmage. Obviously, you must think it touched somebody else. I say it didn't. Please review the tape. And uh, that would have been enough for the officials to huddle up. They may or may not have actually reviewed the tape, but they would have gotten the spot right at that point, and there's nothing they could have really done to – leave the spot where it was. So I, I don't see any way that that would not have been corrected had they had they uh, 
uh, thrown a challenge flag on. Right, because that's the negative is if they say, no, you're wrong, they lose a timeout in, in, a, in a crucial point. Right. They, they, would, they would lose a timeout, but it, they would not have lost a timeout because if they said it was not challengeable, first of all, every time that's happened that I've ever seen, the, the official walks over and says, Baltimore will not be charged with a challenge, but they're not able to challenge this play because of blah, 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 blah. It's right. not challengeable. Right. Okay. Well, in fact, that's not the case. The touching of a kick is a challenge, is a specified challengeable element on the list of, of, of things you, you can challenge. So they missed an opportunity, and, and, uh, and it was very bothersome that, uh, that this occurred the way it did. So they got this dichotomy of expectation. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that you'll see is a coach blaming players for a bad play, but they're not really accepting it themselves. And I, I don't like seeing that from Harbaugh because I don't think I have in the past. And if I were really to say I, I, what I'd want, I'd like to see him come out and say, you know what, I came to – publicly and say I came down too hard on Timmy Jernigan. He was doing the right thing. He had to make that decision in real time. I understand why he did it. I don't like that he fumbled the ball. That's another matter. But I don't have any problem with him bringing it out of the end zone. He clearly wasn't doing anything selfish. And on the other hand, I made this big mistake. I would love to see that happen. But uh, John needs to do something to make sure that he has control of his team. I, th- I think you're dreaming a little bit that an NFL coach is gonna is gonna go out there and admit that he made a mistake. Maybe I, I you know you, you always hear about we got out coached, we got outplayed, we got you know out everything, and that starts with me. Well, give a specific example of where it starts with you, and this is one where Harbo was the eventual gatekeeper on whether or not that challenge flag got thrown, and he's the one who choked on it. And frankly, it's 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 all his fault whether or not the other people on the headset we're telling him the appropriate thing right well here here we are at the bye week um I, multiple questions uh is harbaugh on the hot seat now do we have to say he is after a losing season last year and losing uh four games in a row here is there something i, I think i pushed this last week or the week before and and you said no there's nothing to it but the defense has to be getting frustrated with the offense here we had a game where the offense scored no points no, yeah, no touchdowns. It was special team points and a defensive touchdown. There's got to be some frustration in the locker room going on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that would be kind of natural that, you know, the offense keeps putting the defense in a very bad position in terms of some turnovers, in terms of some field positions. Special teams maybe isn't completely picking it up on that level either. But you have, you have, you're giving away some really good field position drives, and the defense is tired of getting blamed for – things they shouldn't it's said that the 2000 team had some friction between the the offense and the defense so it's not necessarily a season ending thing as it comes to your other question which is really where's Harbaugh right now in terms of the hot seat I certainly hope he's not on the hot seat for a lot of reasons John Harbaugh's a great football coach and he really is a good motivator of men I want to make sure he does not lose that during the rest of the season where you know there is risk Brian Billick was a great motivator of men I mean he was very good at at making players understand certain things and 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 to play for the team harbaugh's got a a myriad as i understand it of props and other things he brings out to try and you know demonstrate things to his players and teach them things and some of that came out in the super bowl video a few years ago but anyway i I seriously hope the the ravens are not going to have an easy transfer to another head coach it's going to be a very difficult transition that's not something we really want to happen um, so I'd like them to see them keep Harbaugh. It may be that those coordinators need to go and other members of the coaching staff needs to go. If Bishotti being a 
personnel guy might have a different angle on this. And what he might do is say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do this offseason. John, your job is safe, but I'm bringing in process guys to look at everything else we do in terms of quality control. Scouting, the front office. I want to, I want to look at, at the defensive and offensive side of the ball. I want to make sure we're doing self-scouting properly. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at all your processes, and then I want you at the end of that period to defend what you've done or just say, you know what, I agree, that guy's got to go. So, Yeah, I, I had the um, opportunity to uh, talk privately with, uh, with Steve Bisciotti a couple of days after he let Billet go and uh, talking about that situation and what it really came down to. I forget, he asked Billick some question, and Billick answered it wrong. And then he let him go. But it really came down to losing that locker room. And that is my fear with the way this season's going. And with comments from Harbaugh and Jernigan after this play. Is if you lose that locker room, you it's really tough to bring you back as a head coach. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what I've heard too. And I, that's great that you had a chance to actually talk to him. Um, but Bishotti was known to roam the locker room after the losing started happening in 2007. And that was a very, unfortunately, a very similar year to this year. They lost every meaningful edge rusher and they lost every meaningful defensive back they had. And boy, that creates a very tough way to play defense. Anyway, we're going through some of that right now. And I, unfortunately, I think we may be going through it again with, with that decision-making process for Steve Bishotti. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but it's it's the life of, of football. You have good years, you have bad years, and so far this one's not looking so great. Ken, uh, why don't you tell people where they can go on Russell Street Report and read these great articles with way more in-depth than what we had time to go through today. Right. I, I appreciate that, Josh. It's, it's on Russell Street Report. The column name is Film Study, so you can look there. If you're on Twitter, follow me at, at Film Study Ravens. I'm very active there, so if you want to be part of a football conversation during the day, there's always something going on, and I'd love to hear from you. How about you and your uh, podcast, Josh? Yeah, my podcast is Section 336. We talk a lot of Baltimore sports. Uh, That's our main focus. I'm not sure if this week is going to be a focus on Baltimore sports because it's kind of a negative week. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this Ravens game. And um, there's a little bit of Oriole news going on that we'll break down and probably just have a fun uh, get off topic a good amount this week because that's what we need right now in the city. (laughs) How do you guys guys handle the offseason for the Orioles in terms of uh, how you look at the, the team being changed for next year? Um, we will hold off a few weeks, at least until after the World Series, and that's when we'll probably break down, all right, here's the free agents. What do we need to do? Where do we need to improve? Who? Uh, what positions are secure? Because obviously, like, you got Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, Adam Jones. Those three guys are locked down. So we'll end up talking about that. And then it's like, well, what do we do with a guy like Matt Wieters? And we'll start talking about that in probably two, three weeks. All right. So, But uh, for now, people should just come back on Wednesday for another episode of Locked on Ravens with us where we'll break down the offensive line. And I'm, right. I, I, I watched that game, as all of us did, and that side was a lot worse than the defense. So that'll be a fun episode. Thanks, Josh. All right, Ken.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.